Hello and welcome to Cool Boy Radio. My name is Rob and joining me as always is my very good friend, Mr. Ben Hauser. Hello, Ben. Hey, guys. I mean, what are you doing? I was just been listening to some sad core and arguing with people about random stuff. Yeah, getting yeah. vaguely excited about things that don't matter at all. Uh, I'm going to stop you there, boys. I already know it's not Ben Hauser for two reasons. One, there's not a horrible whining noise in the background on your mic. But also, uh, you went a full five seconds there without talking about poop. <laughs> Damn. Thought we could get away with it. So, not only do I know that it's actually Tim Whiffen and Josh Morrow. Hello. I also know uh, that you don't, you're not, you're not fond listeners of the program to, to know to drop in those... Um, as turd references, Damn. but how are you, lads? Introduce yourselves for the regular Cool Boy Radio listeners. Hi, I'm Tim. I'm a pretty cool boy. I'm experienced in the land of media. Well, we should point out. I've always said this. You don't need to be a you know the the, the term boy is non-gender specific in this context. It's like uh, I've always likened it to Gangnam Style. You know that song was a huge hit. That was very popular. And yet it didn't only appeal, it wasn't only for people from the, the Gangnam region. It was just people who could appreciate what, what it was to have that style, what it was to uh, to be a cool boy. That's exactly so right. welcome all here. And so, uh, check out the uh, Cool Boy Radio is for Everyone t-shirt line coming up uh, in the next month. Hey, Josh, you've made that joke, though. You've got to design those t-shirts. You have to. I uh, What joke, Rob? Uh, that you can pick them up at any Hot Topic or Cotton On within the next May to August season. That sounds good. Hey, um, yeah, we should point out, Ben uh, is unable to record these podcasts for at least this week, possibly into the future, uh, because his family, his sister and mother, are visiting him and staying with him in his apartment, and he's got a lot of entertaining to do and can't just disappear into another room and and talk bollocks with me. So it's very nice of Josh and Tim. Uh, It's another little notch on their resume to come and join me on the pod. So we do appreciate it. Is that how you see us? Is that Tell us what you really think. Exactly. It's actually quite interesting because you do have something in common with Mr. Ben Hauser in that you both recently bleach blonded your hair. Mm. You both did it. Uh, well, I was sick of people telling me that I was slim shady without the the, the proper hairstyle because obviously I have really good rap skills. Um, so I had to kind of get uh-huh. a look to go with the criticism i guess or or at the compliment and how has your rap career taken off well you're on spotify now aren't you tim <laughs> i am and soundcloud uh it's uh-huh it's great um you know i could give you a little taste Are we am i am i allowed to have some profanity i would really like that because i have actually been writing some new kid rob mm. lyrics uh just the other day yeah, Disrespect Your Mum is the first mm. single. Kind of a fuck the police kind of thing. Right. But let's hear from the new uh, T. Whiff and Marshall Mathers EP. All right. Oh, yeah, yo, bitches ain't shit. Do some drugs, kill a wigger. What's a wigger, Tim? It's it's a, a white rapper. Nice. Okay, yep. Or, or just a wig maker, mm. you know. True. Works a lot in the courthouses. <laughs> <laughs> so 
that explains why Tim did it. Why did you do it as well, Josh? Because uh, we all know Ben did it because he wanted to be like sick boy from T2 train spotting. Specifically T2 train spotting because there's a scene where we actually see uh, Johnny Lee Miller apply the bleach into his hair, you know, 20 years after it was fashionable and he was young enough to do so. So that that's what got Ben, you know, just to make the most of uh, life in his 20s and finally commit to the look he's always dreamed of. Was it similar for you, Joshy? Well, actually, uh, believe it or not, Rob, I have styled my own look after famous media personality Ben Hauser because I knew I was going to be on this show uh, later in the month. That's so well prepared. Instead of, you know, doing my research and listening to some episodes, I changed my hair colour because it's, it's crucial in good radio. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. You know, I've actually thought about, I've thought about shaving all my hair off lately. I seriously have because if... I do that, I will look exactly like the internet's busiest music nerd, Anthony Fantano, uh, at the needle drop on YouTube. The resemblance is uncanny. I've been watching a lot of his videos just to try and get the voice, and it's not quite there yet, but every time I look at something else that's not my computer, then look back at the video playing on my computer, I kind of jump out in my chair. It's like one time at a, at a party where me and my friend Henry dressed up as each other for a, a similar reason because we resembled each other and you'd catch him in the corner of your eye at the pub and you'd freak out thinking what am I doing over there it's the same thing so all I've got to do is stack on a little bit more weight you know to fill out my face um which actually I've, I have been trying to do in general that's what that's my main goal for this week I'm out in Renmark uh doing some work which is fun but because I don't really know Renmark and I, I'm not driving around or anything I, I kind of tend to go back and just uh, just kind of eat a lot of food because, and I know that sounds bad, but I I've been back in the working world, boys. I've been back in the in the rat race, and my nice pairs of pants, which I should point out, I only have one particular style of pants. I own four pairs in different colours of the exact same uh, Benetton chinos, and they're a little they're a little loose in the waist. Because I don't know why. I don't know where it's gone. I, I'm, I, I'm so skinny, I can't spare to lose any of my circumference. Mm, way less than a photograph of yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm blaming the couple of months I've been unemployed. Not because I haven't been eating, but when I, when I was working, mealtimes, regular mealtimes were an excuse to get away from my desk and not do some work for a bit. So I wasn't so strict about having three even meals at exact same times the past couple of months because I can, I'm just hanging around my house. I can kind of do whatever I want. And it's been detrimental to my sense of fashion and style. Um, and I really miss that. That's, that's, I do miss that about my old job. Like when I realized that if I made my sandwiches at work and I could, I could waste like an extra half hour of my day making a sandwich. And then I realized you could also, um, use the work peanut butter. So you'd save money on peanut butter. And that was a game changer for my productivity at work. Not productivity for the business side of things, but I was just getting things done. I was having the best time just, just making my time count making myself busy on little things that, that that were not for the company's benefit at all, but I gotta say, surely were for me. I've got a good lunch every day. And you've gotta you've gotta come up with those little cheats. I I'm kicking mm. myself today, just this past couple of days, 
because I realized what I should have been doing, you know, if I ever wanted to pull a sickie as, you know, it occasionally came up. I wasn't a great employer, uh, employee, didn't, didn't love it. I was chatting up someone the other day and I was totally just bragging about the fact that, guys, that they, they made me redundant. They totally should have fired me. Like it was a brag. I was bragging how shit an employee was. What I should have done to get out of work, and this is a good tip for anyone who is new to the workforce, um, just try one of those two-liter sculling milk challenges at your desk. <laughs> just whilst nobody's looking, just scull two liters of milk. Make yourself sick. You gotta you gotta keep the milk bottle oh. out of sight. You've gotta slip it into your backpack. Yeah, how good's that? that and then they very, send you home, clever. and you can watch cartoons in your underpants. Now, Rob, um, have you got any tips for our listeners who might be lactose intolerant? What are you talking about? Go twice as hard. <laughs> you're you lactose one intolerant. Litre. One litre of milk is going to go twice as far. Exactly, you're right. And tell you what, you can make the experience more enjoyable with flavoured milk. You could. Oh, yeah, even a flavour that's going to make you that little bit sicker. Like, I'm sure banana milk is fine in moderation, banana. but a little bit of banana or a little bit of strawberry or two litres of it, I should say. That's really going to do some work. Chalk mint? Uh-huh. Chalk exactly mint's good. Right. And once you see the colour in the vomit, uh, you might get uh, more days off. Actually, yeah. If you go for a mix of, like, a Neapolitan flavoured milk absolutely pro- produces a good, uh, convincing, sick. Yeah, really good. That's really good. Um, and even if milk does not make you sick, the other thing I find is my my bladder is has so much less tolerance when I'm working somewhere because, you know, you, you get bored, you're just sitting around drinking a lot of water. Getting out of your seat to go to the toilet is, is a thing you can do with your day. Uh, I should stress, that's no longer the entirety of what I do now that I'm working at the ABC. But, you know, back at the old job, that was a, that was a valid, that was an active part of my, my day-to-day. Going to the toilet a couple of times. Um, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, Rob, up in Renmark, I've heard some whisperings that you are living on a boat or considering making the switch. Well, that was the thing because the, the, the thing was I've been here for a week already. I was here about a week ago and that was offic- the official trial period that the ABC was keen to get me up for and they actually paid for a hotel room, the Renmark Hotel, very swanky. Uh, mm, I had three fancy. beds in my room. Every day they would replace the the jug of cold water. Uh, I had foxtail, so I could I could watch cartoons and and pass out at about four p.m. every day. It was it was a good life, um, but when it was discussed whether or not I would want to come back and you know enjoy another week there, I initially had a, a plan B for some free accommodation that fell through. So I was looking for I was looking for a cheap place to stay, and I got to say yeah that the Murray River Queen on the beautiful Murray River in Renmark, uh, offered quite a, quite a reasonable room rate. The only problem was it's about 10 metres walk from the ABC studios in Renmark. And that was just a a huge issue. Well, it's kind of a nerdy thing to do. It's like, Oh, you, 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 you got a place that's just, five metres away from your job, I, I kind of like to have a bit more distance between myself and my professional life, you know. I don't want... And the other thing is, that's the, that's the thing, because I'm in breakfast radio, my day runs from 6.30 to 2.30, 
if I go back to my room after you know 2.30, I'm on the boat and they can see me through the window, the people, the journalists who are there for, you know, in the afternoon, you know, I don't want that. Is that breakfast host Rob Laurie? <laughs> exactly. But He's, most of your good fishing's done in the time that your job is on. You're missing half the fun of boating. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of anything scandalous they could see me do, but uh, there really isn't anything. I just kind of go home and watch old ABC sitcoms from 2003. Is that Rob wearing an eye patch? What's he doing with that sword? Oh, I sh- I see. you're saying I should become a pirate. Of course. There is no one a guy, else uses just boats. Another 20 metres down the river from the Murray River Queen uh, boat and accommodation restaurant, there is a barge that's just kind of covered in um, in junk and there's always country music playing and there's just, just, just this big old hippie who lives on there selling CD souvenirs. I should have shacked up with him. And that That is the pirate's life for me. Hey, if you're not going to, I will. Yeah. What about pirate radio on the boat? It's like you go from your breakfast radio to like your drive time on your pirate radio station. Yeah. He plays a lot of, you know, Slim Dusty, Bernard Boland, born bred in New South Wales, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, if that's the competition, you know, I reckon maybe with a bit of Tim Whiffen's rapping skills, mm. we could give him a run for his money. It's dangerous, Rob, because with his neon white hair, he's actually visible from space, so it's quite a target. Oh, no. Yeah, I've gone full... You thought of everything. Uh, Julian Assange on this oh, one. Oh, yep. Yeah. Jeez, there's someone you want to emulate. She's yeah, to well, pick an embassy. I've been compared to a few different people, kids' TV show characters, uh, the albino from The Da Vinci Code. Okay, who's he? The albino from The Da Vinci... Uh, no, well, he's... N- Got makeup in that film, so I can't describe right, who he is okay. as a person. I don't know the actor name. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm not familiar with his work, but uh, I'm sure he's doing putting the word out there. All right, are you boys <laughs> cashing in on it? Because I know you like to think of yourselves as a bit of a, you know, you're a bit of a media-making duo. You edit the mm. old Paul Street Journal podcast together, and you do a few appearances on student radio. You've got to milk it for all it's worth, at least... You know, some sort of 80s New Wave album cover photo has to be taken. Yeah, it probably has to be a, even a family portrait done with me <laughs> sitting down and Josh's hand on my shoulder. Um, Oil painting, I'm hoping. Yeah, we were, <laughs> we were trying to copy the uh, photograph music video with Chad Kroger because at one stage we both had goatees and the blonde hair and it really went yeah, well. Yeah, that's really good. Fun fact, listeners who are screaming at your screen right now, the uh, albino from The Da Vinci Code is played by Paul Bettany. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, there we go. He's he's very much in the news right now. Are you boys going to go see him in a solo Han Solo story? Uh, I, I don't think I can really miss it. I'm going to miss it, I think. Well, you've got a, you've got a tattoo of Yoda on which part of your body? Uh, the the real question is which part of my body don't I have a tattoo of Yoda? Okay, on? yes. Um, so just use your imagination, listeners, and send in your fan art of where's Josh's tattoo this week to um, timwiffen at gmail dot com. Okay. Are we sure to respond? But that's it. It's a clear. It's a clean cut yep we're going to see it we're going to go watch a bit of Paul Bettany and oh, I'm not. await a Yoda cameo no. sorry no really you're not, not. going to no 
Damn. You know, just, no, not- um, it's it's a one to watch on DVD. <laughs> a film wow. made for the small screen. I actually woke <laughs> up this morning to um, uh, a meme. So that was new. Um, it's a clip from the Simpsons movie where Bart Simpson rides naked past Ralph Wiggum. And he looks yep. at him and goes, I like men now. Uh, but it's captioned uh, Lando Calrissian in Solo. So I'm excited to see sexually adventurous Lando. That's just Captain Jack Harkness, surely. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> All right, so we'll be watching that on DVD in August with our <laughs> Cool Boy Radio t-shirts. What else is happening in your lives? Give me some goss, give me some anecdotes and some stories, boys. I'll tell you what, Tim and I have just uh, moved in together and we live in a duplex um, where we share a wall with... Uh, uh, Tim, yes. how would you describe our friend Peter? I love this guy. Yeah, please. Peter is eccentric. Um, he speaks his mind and he has progressive views about people in the world. Uh, would be the best way to describe it. He's not afraid to let you know what he thinks. And, Good. you know, he often tries to help you out in different kinds of ways. Weird and wonderful Tell- ways, Tim. Mm. Yeah. Tell me, boys, are your girlfriends still scared to go to your place? Yes. Yeah, good. Yes, they are. And once they arrive, they are scared to leave. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I have yeah, learned okay. many new phrases for uh, people from different countries that uh, Peter likes to sit on his front porch and yell at children. Oh, wow. Mm. You've got to get this guy on the podcast. We do not. <laughs> yeah, right. I think he would go really well, actually. Uh, he's he's vocal, I think, and he's got a unique voice. I think there's some talent to be harvested. I think it'd be strange to have Peter go up next to Rob. I think we have to put Peter up next to Ben. Uh, yeah, yeah. I only have one question. Do you reckon he could punch out Alex Jones? Oh, a fight between him and Alex Jones would be really interesting because Peter has... Uh, let's say more of like a, a nimble physique as opposed to Alex Jones having the power. So it's all about whether Peter uh-huh. could use Alex Jones's weight against him. Yeah, uh, Peter's it's all about got the energy, and it's all about the the spirit. He's really mm, got the ability to bounce back from anything. Um, a a tragic car accident that'll ruin his entire car. He's fine. He'll walk it off. Epileptic seizures. Oh, you, oh, sorry. If this is an actual example, you've got to you've got to flesh it out. Oh. This is too good. I want to. I want to know the real Peter. All right. So, um, Peter used to park his car in our joint f- front lawn. He had an excellent sound system inside the car, but not his house. So what he would do is open his boot and all his doors, and and just blast music into his house and down the street. <laughs> For everyone to hear, um, it, which was great because he has three CDs. Uh, so and he's just... got his own pirate radio station. Basically, yeah. I think it is actually illegal to play music land to lovers. that many people. That's pretty good. Um, so one day, Peter, after a week of constantly playing music till 11 o'clock at night and um, uh-huh. giving uh, my father and myself abuse for telling him to turn it down, um, approached my house at 7pm on a Monday night 
and informed me that my TV that was on volume level 8 was too loud and he would call the police very soon. I told him where he could go (laughs) with his views. So he got in his car and decided to travel very far, very fast um, into a truck. And the car was totaled uh, as well as the sound system. So there is a God rub. Um, And then for a month, we didn't see or hear anything uh, until one tragic day, early April, where he wandered up to my car door as I pulled in, uh, scared the living hell out of me. And um, uh, in almost menacing fashion, I got down to the window level and went, I'm back. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's so good. It was very horror horror movie-esque. Um, he's often shouts profanities at his nemesis, who is this lovely... Uh, heavily into recycling elderly gentleman. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Probably from the Mediterranean somewhere. For, uh, from his description of him, I would assume. Yeah. Okay. And... Yeah, this lovely old man just doesn't bother anyone, walks around the neighbourhood, you know, it's great. Peter has a certain issue with this man for perhaps only his background? Mm-hmm. Unsure, but he gets called some absolutely colourful names. Um, yeah. I refuse to talk to Peter because... I don't need that kind of father figure in my life. I don't want him to overshadow my father. So um, I really I do try and cut down the communications with Peter. But, I mean, uh, absolutely, um, Josh and him have a special relationship. Well, there's such a thing as being too masculine. So, yeah, okay. I think, though, anything he does, so even if he nearly kills himself, if he threatens your life, that the friendship that you share is completely unchanged. Like, it'll always bounce back like nothing has happened. Like Peter. Absolutely. I'm getting a weird flashback. Just the old, I'm back, (laughs) uh, creepiness. Reminded me, uh, this was in high school. My school liked to think of itself as a bit of a, like, a musically savvy school, and we did a few sort of overseas trips and played the trumpet and a few funny places and all that. And we did one... uh, to Malaysia, me and Liam, uh, who's a good friend of the show, you can actually find our old, very ill-advised video blogs on YouTube. Um, That's a little Easter egg for you to track down. I don't recommend them. Um, But we were at this one place, middle of nowhere, might have been on like an an island resort kind of place, but we'd driven out really far to the place where it was not like a resort at all. And we were having this sort of set lunch. I have no idea how they found a place, but whatever. They they somehow put us together at, at this table. And there was this really old kind of like hunchback woman uh, serving us every now and then. There were other people, but she was like the, the kind of the person. She has nothing else she can really do, but... Uh, by goodness, she's going to take part and lend a hand and be part of the old family business. <laughs> and at the same time, didn't really speak much English. 
So <laughs> all I remember is we'd be all sitting around the, the circular table having a chat, all talking to each other, and she would be trying to serve some food onto the middle of the table, and she'd just, like, grab someone's elbow and go, Boy! <laughs> That's awful. Like, That's... hey, can I put this down? But it was, it was just perfectly freaky. It was great. Boy! Mm, that reminds me of God of War. Yeah. Kratos uh, in the latest God of War game just uh, consistently says the word boy. Boy. Perhaps it's uh, Kratos's lost wife. Well, I want to see a Who? mod where that is the voice they use. <laughs> <laughs> Kratos is uh, permanently damaged in the spinal region. Is mm. an elderly Malaysian woman who knows one word of English. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that is the logo on the t-shirts. Yep. Speaking of media releases that are in the zeitgeist, did you guys get a chance to catch up on Adam Sandler's The Week Of, now streaming on Netflix? Uh, we absolutely did. Uh, Josh, would you like to explain what your first impression was? Well, because, yeah, we, ben, ben did cover this on the previous podcast, but if you want to give us a recap, and I'll, uh, yeah, that'll be fantastic. I'll tell you what, my favourite joke okay. uh, in the entire film... Uh, actually came from a Key and Peele sketch originally. Oh, sorry. Uh, is, this, is this in the first 16 minutes of the film or is this beyond? No, it was indeed the first 16 minutes. We didn't watch past that. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, yeah, what was, what was the Key and Peele joke? Okay, so the Key and Peele joke is there's two women that go to a pet store and look at a puppy and they say things like, he's so cute that I want to rip his face off and turn it to a pancake. Oh, he's so cute that I want to take him immediately to the vet and have him put down. For sure. Um, and they kind of did that where one they of the male children. Yeah, the the oh, son. Okay. You know, yeah, I can he's see so that. cute that I want to beat your head in with a cinder block. And Tim, what was your favourite joke? Ooh, uh, I mean, <laughs> I kind of almost don't want to bring it up, uh, just because of Apu Gate, but. The the best part of the first sixty minutes was definitely the Indian hotel uh, hotel employee. N- yeah, uh-huh. but I think he's actually Indian or Persian or you know Southeast Asian. Yeah, sorry, I just uh, yeah he of that area somewhere some, somewhere he he plays the character like the maid in Family Guy, where she uh, says, "Yeah, no, uh, sorry." No. Yes, whilst they did cast someone who is of the right race, uh, yes, it is an Adam Sandler screenplay. I think what actually happened is Rob Schneider was unavailable to (laughs) black up and play that role, because that's his usual go. He plays a a Saudi prince in Sandy Wexler that's very much that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So, uh, and overall, uh, the, the overarching... A uh, comment I heard from Josh earlier was that this movie didn't have a leg to stand on. Okay. Obviously punny because... That's true, the, uh, the uncle with no that, legs. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, um, I, I've seen the next section, the next sort of 11, 12 minutes of the film. But before, I've just got a bit of a, bit, bit of a fact for you boys. Um, would it surprise you to know that this uh, guy, the guy who directed this, it's his first ever film he's directed? Yes, it would surprise me. Interesting, because uh, there's a lot of things that are just off. Like some of the framing's pretty weird. There's not really any uh, 
any like connective tissue between a lot of the scenes other than like two seconds of Billy Joel scenes from an Italian restaurant. Like it'll just be like, things are okay with me these days and it'll cut to the next scene and there's not even like a nice fade out of a piano part or an accordion <laughs> solo. It's little bits like that that I, I dig. I guess it surprises me because you would assume that someone like this would direct you know real small indie films or... Yeah, something something like that before moving on to an Adam Sandler blockbuster. Yeah, well that's exactly it. You've got to have a bit of a background. They don't just yeah, that's it. They wouldn't throw an inexperienced filmmaker into the big leagues like that. Mm. You know, and you know it's the big leagues once Steve Buscemi appears in your film. Yeah, for one scene. I haven't seen him again in the next section, nor have I heard oh. any more of Billy Joel's scenes from Italian Restaurant. That's only in the first 16 minutes. Um, but we, we start this next section of the film. Adam Sandler is getting a, a box down from the attic and he's being very, he's being, being very secretive of it. We don't know what uh, is in it, but he's not letting oh. anyone see it until he gives it to the, the hotel manager. So there's a bit of foreshadowing that'll come into play uh, quite soon, I'm sure. Or maybe they'll save it Family to the last. perhaps. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, you'll you'll hear about that. Mm. So the youngest daughter, you know, she's a bit worried about the wedding, and Adam Sandler agrees that yeah, you know, the, the daughter of mine getting married, you know, she's much too young, and he doesn't like that she's getting married either. But you know, it's her choice. But then, awkward, the younger daughter says, "No, I just meant." The DJ might not be to her taste. The music might not be right. That that might be oh, what's no. not right. And Adam Sandler's like, Ooh. whoops, he made a mistake. And Adam Sandler keeps on embarrassing himself because it turns out the DJ is, uh, I think he's a he's a distant cousin of, you know, he's like a kid. And he goes to pick them up, uh, all, the whole family uh, from the airport, and he's driving around in the little car. It's really funny because... Uh, Adam Sandler's wife told him not to readjust the seat presets in the van at all. So the whole time he's like he's like crammed in behind the steering wheel and he's all yabadoo and he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't like it at all. And they do that that classic joke where he's talking to his his wife on the phone because all of a sudden they've got a house those people they've got to put those people in their house as well. So the house is filling up. It's four more mouths they have to feed and bed and clothe and you know it, 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 the house can't fit all these wedding guests. And he's calling her saying, "Hey, uh, you know this has just happened." And she's all, "What are you talking about? This is unbelievable. I hate this." And Adam Sandler's being, "Ah, yes, honey. Ah, great to hear. You know, he's trying to play it cool whilst he has people in the car and." Uh, uh, then eventually Adam Sandler's wife hangs up, but Adam, you know, he's got to play it cool. He keeps on having the chat with the phone. Ah, yes, honey, I will do exactly that. That sounds like a wonderful <laughs> idea. And then, ha <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but then someone else calls him and the phone rings in his hand and it's obvious, you know, oh, wow. he's got this <laughs> fucking phone call. It's no good. So there's a lot of that. Uh, I think... Again, at the hotel, the groom's cousins have checked in, but one of the room has a leaky ceiling because of the renovations that he was working on in the previous uh, segment. You know, he's having the, the, the father of the, of the groom's room 
done all fancy and it's causing uh, everyone else's rooms to kind of like leak and fall apart. So then he has to put them in his house and that it's getting even more full. We also meet the bride's uh, childhood best friend and all her new friends think she's a bit lame, which is a bit of tension, but I think she's she's looking to get it on with that old that old neighbor who still has a crush on the on the bride. You know that guy is really awkward. Ah, uh, yeah. I think she's going to try and um get in his pants. And finally, so there's a lot of that. House is filling up, the dog's doing some funny things. And finally, Adam, uh, Adam's wife has been calling the groom's mother to see if, uh, you know, try and feel it out whether or not that uh, the mother and father can be sat at the same table if they're still getting along okay. And Adam Sandler ends up calling Chris Rock, and it's the first time we've seen Chris Rock since the very start of the film. People have probably uh, forgotten about him, and I know, I know the Chris Rock scene was the thing that tested the most highly with Ben when he reviewed the first uh, 16 minutes of the film. So we finally get him... Uh, again in the film and he's in a like a really nice penthouse high rise apartment he's got a big old piano he's got a he's got a half naked woman who I who is maybe supposed to look a bit like Janelle Monet but I you know in any case she does whether or not it's intentional and uh, he's talking to to old Adam Sandler I don't remember the character's name of course but Adam Sandler's talking to him and he spends so long on the phone trying to get him to oh no I, I'll pick you up from the airport and Chris Rock's like no you really don't have to I'll, I'll get a car service and Adam's like oh no um, you're gonna be brothers or fathers or whatever Ooh. Um, and he ends up taking so long and so boring that uh, the Janelle Man lookalike ends up uh, putting her clothes back on and leaves Chris Rock all alone. And that's the cliffhanger on which the second day of the week of ends. So uh, th- that's... Gripping an- story absolutely breaks the mould. Yeah. It's building up to something good. There's a lot of innovative gags. I hope I did them justice. Great performances from Chris Rock and uh, and Adam Sandler. As I said, Steve Buscemi has not uh, turned up again, nor have any of the other name actors, other than the ones I've already mentioned. But, um, you know, what I like about it is if... Uh, if this kind of cinema can still be made in Hollywood, the system is not out of ideas. There are still great <laughs> stories to be told. And frankly, uh, it looks extremely easy, and I think I, could, I think I could take part. Well, let's do that next week. Let's do our take of a Adam Sandler movie with um, two blondes and a successful YouTuber. Ah, that's the format, is it? Uh, it is for us. Yeah. We could get Peter involved. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like your Rob Schneider. He is our Rob Schneider. I thought he was our Steve Buscemi. No, That's... you're our Steve Buscemi. Oh, thanks, <laughs> man. Jeez, there's a compliment. Hey, he's a throwaway. Um, have we noticed that Steve Buscemi's weird face, while going through old people weird face changes, has made him look pretty normal in this film? In comparison, because you're so used to seeing him as a meme. He's... He's he's finally aged into a, a yeah. normal-looking person. You might be onto something there because the eyes were always they'd always aged so much sooner than any other part of his face, and exactly. now yeah, yeah. he just lo- looks like an old person with a few wrinkles and a few you know loose bits of skin. And now yeah, he's he stacking on face weight. Waltz. <laughs> That's quite an investment. He's playing the long game there. Well, I mean, look, he set himself up, got into the business early, 
Um, yeah. Now he's ready to kickstart his career. Go A level. That's true. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Tom Cruise like. Yeah. Move yeah, over, right. Josh Brolin. There's a new good-looking old dude in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, we just need to put some human growth hormone in Steve Buscemi and we'll get there. You see, it's interesting because when I saw the first couple of trailers for, not Age of Ultron, the new one, Infinity War, I thought mm. they had made Thanos look a bit like Joss Whedon. Just sort of the creepy, <laughs> disinterested look on his face. It was very, very Joss Whedon and I guess with the Deadpool trailers and all that, I just got a lot more used to seeing Josh Brolin. But no, uh, I think... I don't Marvel think it's insignificant. are going for something funny here. They're trying yeah. to make all the villains look like big shot Hollywood producers. So the next one's going to be Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Well, Joss Whedon is the most villainous of anyone they've uh, had, had behind any of their films. Uh, second only to Peyton Reed. Who? Is step in director of Ant Man? Oh, Peyton Reed. What's wrong with Peyton Reed? He was just doing his job. He didn't do it. He didn't make a terrible film. He didn't make a complete waste of time. Ant Man's kind of fun. It's better than Age of Ultron. The week after I saw Age of Ultron, I had forgotten who the villain was. <laughs> it's how... There's too many of them. Well, I just couldn't remember who. Who were they fighting again? What was the villain in Age of Ultron? That's how little an impression he could make on me with his with his sassy robot. Jo- Actually, I should say this. Joss Whedon, even when he's been absolute top of his game and making great television, any time he goes near a robot, it's fucking shit. He can't do robots. And now he can't do anything. He's just a crazy old man. He's just a crazy, creepy, militant liberal... He's a loser and a weenie. Yeah. James yeah. Spader as a robot is a bad decision. Uh, I, I've recently been watching The Office. Oh, yeah. Um, in its entirety. And James Spader is the best part of any of the seasons. Yeah, right. He's one oh, of the weaker uh, parts mm. of the ninth season of Seinfeld in one episode. I think his only success was, was it Blacklist or something? Yeah, the blacklist. That's that's what he's doing now. Yeah, I feel like that's the only thing that people really got around. I'm not a big fan of him in the office. He's not great yeah. in Seinfeld. Well, he had. A, he, I mean, he was in all those John Hughes movies in the '80s. He was. He had a. He had a. He had a rise and then he had a fall. Like by Seinfeld, like he was not in the zeitgeist at all. Like he was. Mm. It's not like compared to someone like Brian Cranston, who's in a lot of episodes of Seinfeld. But he was, you know, a rising star. He was sort of on the way up. This was an actor who'd been in huge movies and was down to that same level. Couldn't even get, like, a, a multiple episodes. He's only in... He's maybe in another episode, but, um, yeah, that's the... He was on the way down. Not like a, a Sarah Silverman or a uh, Patton Oswalt as the video clerk in an episode. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of famous faces in there. It's a, it's a cracking show. Who plays... Um, You're the best, Jerry. You're the best. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. Oh, I think that was his, his big role and he disappeared. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, sorry. Uh, you mean um, Kenny uh, Bannigan or whatever his name is, the, the stand-up comedy <laughs> who takes Jerry out for soup, that guy? That's the one. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know who played him. Damn, another lost treasure. That's true. 
All right. Um, do you have anything else to add on the pod? I had a few subjects I wanted to mention, but I think they're very Ben House is going to find these funnier than anyone else kind of things. <laughs> um, well, we won't steal those from Ben. Uh, That's good. I appreciate it. Um, so next week on the podcast, I guess I'll talk about how I didn't kill my year 11 drama teacher. I just found out that past week. That was, that was good news. Um, so I think we've had a good little pod, boys. Thank you for joining me. We've learned a lot. Do you Thanks have so much any for having more us. wisdom? It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Do you have any more wisdom to impart on the fellow cool boys tuning in? Always go see a house before you buy it. Hmm. Meet the neighbours. That's exactly it, Rob. But Timmy? not in the kind of Adam Sandler uh, blockbuster kind of way, meet the neighbours. Like, uh, meet the fuckers. Knock uh-huh. uh, uh, literally go door knocking before you even put an offer in. Bring a friend of a different race and see mm. how they respond to him. Now that now you're talking. Yep. <laughs> well, thanks for having us on Cool Boy Radio. That's all right. Where can people I find you? Already. Do you want to plug you anything? Can find mm, Josh and I doing some stuff with that Wall Street guy, which you can find on your favorite podcasting platforms. We talk about finances because the the cool boys need. Some cash behind them to keep them cool. Yeah. Oh, it's a perfect chase at a cool boy radio. Thank you, boys, for, for joining me. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. See what Ben's up to, if he's around. If it's just, uh, you know, we'll try and get his sister on. His mum likes me. <laughs> his, I don't know. Anyway, I've said too much. That's cool boy radio, everybody. <laughs> Good night.